Welcome everyone to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Stacy, the Executive Director for BCLT. And today we're here to talk about privacy and some of the tools that are there to help the average person deal with the uh, rather complex privacy policies that are out there. So what we all know is privacy in tech doesn't happen by accident. Uh, laws have been put in place to try to help everyone understand uh, what their options are, and yet people still don't know what their options are. We get complex policies that are supposedly simplified, and what we hear is Americans over and over say they really care about privacy, just not enough to read those privacy policies. So with that in mind, what are the options that uh, are available to help us as the country start thinking about privacy in a more sophisticated way, and especially privacy for our kids. So with that in, in mind, we are incredibly fortunate to have one of the nation's leading thinkers on this topic of privacy and the realities of privacy as it applies to adults and to children. So welcome, uh, we have Jill Rothman, the Privacy Council from Common Sense Media. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to talking about privacy and kids and consumer protection and all the things we work on at Common Sense Media. Well, let's just start with the, the high-level question. Why does Common Sense Media care about privacy? We care about it because we care about kids. And I think uh, one of the important things about protecting children is protecting their privacy and their safety and their security. And we're particularly in the privacy group at Common Sense Media focused on uh, the technology that children are using, the media that children are using. That includes technology they might be using in the classroom as students, as K through 12 students, or even college students. And it includes uh, technology they might be using at home. Needless to say, in the last year and a half, those two categories are mixed together. So um, lots of surprises there. Um, due to the pandemic where kids have been doing school at home and accessing technology like gaming that they might normally only use at home in schools um, with a gamification of education. So things are really have really mixed it up for us in the last year and a half. And we are trying to uh, get a handle on kids' privacy and all of the technology that kids could be using both home and in the classroom. I'm actually a little embarrassed to admit this. I mean, I've spent my life in, in technology law, tearing apart contracts, building contracts back up, but I don't pay much attention to the privacy policies that, that I'm signing myself or I'm checking the box. I just find them a nuisance, I check and I move on. Um, I know I'm in good company with lots of other lawyers, uh, but when it comes to apps for my kids, I'm very, very thoughtful about it, but it's not easy especially with the proliferation of, of school, school technology. How, how does Common Sense Media help people like me and maybe even people that, that are going to spend less time keep up with the, the technology and the privacy issues? Yeah, every uh, privacy paper that I read starts off with, okay, well, we know nobody is reading the privacy policies and the terms of use and the cookie policy and the GDPR policy. Some of the large corporations, um, the big name technology companies have eight policies or 10 policies even. It's just overwhelming. And even people um, like we talk about that really care about privacy. Um, those of us who are privacy professionals, we don't have the time. 
we don't have the bandwidth to read all these policies. So that was our starting point. What can we do to make things easier for the average person? What can we do to make things easier, particularly for parents who are interested in protecting their children and particularly for educators and educational administrators? How are they going to choose what technology to use, right? It, it's just overwhelming to think about doing all of your own research, reading all of these policies and trying to figure out, okay, what should I use? So we started with that as a baseline and we developed um, 150 questions to uh, evaluate privacy, you know, the privacy policies in terms of use of these educational technologies. And we started there and we created our own in-house software and it looks at these uh, privacy policies and we have human evaluators that are using the software. So it's a, it's a mishmash of, of, it's not a, a robotic solution or an AI, a, a perfect AI machine learning solution. It does still involve human evaluators um, who have expertise in, in privacy to look at these privacy policies, um, run it by our rubric, run it by our 150 point uh, questions, and then come up with the easiest way that we could possibly think of to communicate the answers and that is we have a rating score so at the top level of the pyramid the easiest way to communicate it is it is it a pass a warning or a fail and as you know from teaching um everything falls onto a bell curve whether you like it or not you know even if you say you're not grading on a curve students tend to fall into that curve and same with privacy policies there, we've only found um, a very few that fail, that um, they don't even have a privacy policy or it's completely inadequate to communicate their privacy practices. And we also, also have a few uh, passes. You know, they get the nice blue icon that says they pass. The vast majority are in that middle of that curve. You know, they're, they're somewhere in the warning category, which we have this little orange icon for. And they talk about, you know, we're just telling people with that warning label, hey, you need to look a little bit more carefully at the privacy practices of this app before you use it. It's not like you should definitely use this one or you should definitely not use that one. It's more of a relative system, like something with a higher rating is more likely to be privacy protective and something with a lower rating is less likely to be privacy protective. So people can really use these privacy evaluations to compare products and figure out, you know, what should I buy for my school when the school districts are deciding what software to buy? Um, or what should I buy for my kids to use at home? What kind of games should I use with them? Now, do you see companies and school districts responding to the, the orange category, the warning category and demanding or trying to upgrade the privacy situation? We work on a lot of fronts with a lot of different stakeholders and nobody is super surprised by our results. So we start with a school district consortium of over 400 schools and districts. Uh, and we ask them, you know, we meet with them monthly and we ask them, hey, um, what products should we evaluate? You know, we're just not, we're not just looking at the top 100 or 200 in the app store. We're actually asking schools and districts and educators, what are you using in the classroom? What should we evaluate? Um, and we are evaluating those. So those, those people are, are, in answer to your question, 
very happy to have the ratings. It, they need that information rather than sending it out to a whole team of people to try to figure it out on their own on a one-off basis for every school district. I mean, they still have to make their procurement decisions. They still have to decide what to buy and what's best for their school district. But having these privacy and security ratings are really um, helpful in their decision-making. Well, let me back up to your, your 150 questions that you use to inform your mixed human computer analysis. How did, how did you come up with those 150 questions and how do you know those are the, the, the best of the, the questions to ask? You know, that's a good question. We uh, spent, you know, years working on that before we actually started doing any privacy evaluations. And we still consider how those can be updated. So we look at several categories. We look at the laws, we look at regulations, we look at best practices, we look at industry standards. We look at what the specifically what questions the schools ask us to, to ask. So when we talk to our our focus group, our, our school district consortium, we ask them, what do you want to know about the product? Um, and we have really uh, core issues that we're concerned about. We want to know if they're collecting personal information about children. We want to know if they're selling that. So following CCPA and other regulations in that area, we are super focused on what data is collected, how it is used, who it's shared with, is it sold, is there targeting and profiling going on, especially with regard to students and, and children, especially with regard to kids under 13. That being said, we also care about teenagers and we also care about young people and we even care about parents and teachers and whether their information is being collected. So, you know, it's like the movie about what happens when they grow up into adults, because it's, it's really difficult to draw that line like Kappa does and say, oh, well, if you're 12, we'll give you all these protections in the world. But once you turn 13, we throw you to the ad tech wolves and <laughs> let them do whatever they want with your information. So we, we do care about teenagers and adults privacy as well. And, and our evaluations are not, they ask about things like parental consent and uh, whether information is being collected from children directly without parental consent. But we're also concerned about privacy overall. And we're trying to raise the bar. You know, that's, that's our bottom line. We're trying to encourage all of the tech companies that we evaluate to look at these evaluations. I mean, I said the evaluations are for parents and teachers, but I spent a lot of time talking directly to the companies that we evaluate and telling them, hey, this is a roadmap for you. This is a place where you can look at this privacy evaluation that we've done of your company. It's free. It's online. Go have a look, you know, and and see how you can be better at privacy. When you talk about giving companies a roadmap to improving their, their privacy policies, especially for children, how many are taking you up on that opportunity to get better? I hope all of them, uh, as far as whether they actually come to me specifically and say, hey, um, we've, just, we've just looked at your privacy evaluation and we've, uh, we looked at your evaluation that you did in April, and we've spent the summer updating our policy and here's our new policy. Can you please do a reevaluation? Um, that's our best case scenario. That does happen. Um, 
we'd like to think that for every, you know, that that's just the tip of the iceberg for every company that sends me an email or contacts me directly to tell me that they're doing that, that there are many other companies that are actually doing that, that are looking at our privacy evaluations and our very detailed reports called the standard privacy report that we um, are able to generate from our software. And they are looking at that and they are saying, hey, we need to step up to at least comply with the law. Sometimes we find people who aren't even complying with the law, but we also want to differentiate ourselves in the market and show our users that we are the king of privacy. You know, we are out there um, being the best in class and we are setting the standard for the industry. We are having really excellent and transparent, clear, uh, detailed privacy policies that communicate well with our users and you should buy our product. So I, I hope that that the rest of the iceberg, the people that I'm not speaking to are also using our privacy evaluations as a tool to improve their individual companies' privacy policies and to increase the standard for the whole industry. So we've talked about those that are trying to do the right things what about those that you find in your, your audits that just don't care if they're doing the right thing, or maybe, maybe you're actually affirmatively bad actors? Do you come across that? Yeah, so we're, we're not the FTC. We don't do the enforcement actions, uh, but we do come across some bad actors. Really, I would call them not bad, but um, misguided or kind of oblivious to what they're supposed to be doing. We, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there were a lot of startups and a lot of companies that didn't realize they even had to have a privacy policy on their website, or they didn't realize what a privacy policy was, you know, and so I did my best to help those companies, you know, get started and, and you know, going in the right direction, but we even have more sophisticated companies who are missing things, and the biggest thing that they miss is not that they're trying to be um, bad actors, but with the bigger companies, you know, and like the smaller companies that I just mentioned that they're, they're just, they need education. Um, the bigger companies, I think they have a silo issue. They have a communication issue where the people who are writing the privacy policies are not the same people who are implementing them or the people who are, you know, the lawyers are writing the privacy policies and they don't really know what is actually happening out there. When I've taught privacy privacy law, one of the things that I did in a compliance class was I had two whole separate class sessions on, one was on internal privacy policies and security policies, and one was on external privacy policies and security. So those are actually two different things, and companies often don't realize that they need to juggle that information back and forth. There's a privacy policy that you put on your website that tells consumers what your product does, like how much data does it collect and who does, you know, who are their vendors that they share data with. And then there's your internal privacy policy where you actually describe, it's a communication tool within a corporation to describe how that's implemented and, you know, where is, where is data stored and how is it stored? What is, what does physical security look like? What does network security look like? What are our privacy policies and do uh, only employees with a need to know inf the information have access to certain data? So there, there's a lot going on there and some of the bigger companies aren't so much, and maybe I'm being naive, 
But I like to believe that at least um, most of them are really trying to comply with the law and trying to uh, be good actors out there in the privacy field, especially um, when it comes to children's data. I think they're trying their best to get out there. And they really just need to kind of have a, a tabletop exercise, um, which is something else that a lot of professors like to do as a um, practical exercise, you know, sit down and have everyone, you know, in this, in today's day and age of the pandemic, it's a virtual table, but, you know, sit around a virtual table, have a Zoom and uh, talk about, you know, where's our data? What kind of data are we collecting? What are we doing with it? Who's using our data? Where does it go after us? Um, what are our, our sharing relationships? And then you draft the policy and then your policy is straightforward and honest and transparent as it can be for consumers. I think that's a, it's an interesting point and part of the, the limitations of being able to just look at public facing material. People can write a good privacy policy and put it on the web and say, this is what we do. And for the consumer, that's all we know. But if they choose to do something different internally or they're sloppy internally, it's hard to figure out what's going on there. We do some device testing to actually see where the data uh, flows. But the primary goal of the privacy evaluations that are available on our website are really to look at what's available to the public and what they're saying about data collection and data use. Uh, it, it is much more difficult to do what I would call, what, what you're describing as almost like an audit that is um, kind of beyond the capacity of our tiny team of, of privacy experts at a nonprofit organization. But I highly recommend audits and penetration testing and all of those um, uh, outsourced uh, privacy and security tools for companies who are wondering, where is our data? What are we doing with our data? Well, the, the last question I'll leave for you is what happens next for these types of, I, I would say, the, the badge of honor for, for privacy policies? Uh, where do we go? We go um, to uh, the next level. Um, so we take these individual privacy evaluations and every other year we put out um, the uh, State of Kids Privacy Report. You'll see that available for free on our website pretty soon. Uh, we'll put it out this fall. It's, it's pretty much drafted. <laughs> it's pretty much out there. We gotta you know, polish it up a little bit, but it's like 200 plus pages of charts and graphs. Um, really running the numbers, looking at the data that we've collected about individual companies and putting it together so you can see on an industry-wide basis how companies are doing with regard to privacy. And we break it down, not just, you know, how are they doing overall, but how are they doing on these different concerns? Uh, what does it look like? Uh, what does what their data collection private uh, policies look like? What are their data collection, how, what do the policies say about their data collection practices? Getting into the question that you asked earlier, Wayne, about, um, you know, how do we really know what they're doing? Um, we, we know what they're doing because we're reading their policies and we hope they do what it says in their policies. But uh, yeah, so we, we put out um, white papers like the State of, of Kids Privacy Report. It's super useful. Um, for companies that are looking to see how they're doing with regard to the industry. It's super useful for legislators who 
um, are trying to decide whether we need new privacy legislation, um, maybe not in California, but in other states where they're uh, still on the fence and they're trying to figure out, uh, do we need new privacy legislation? If so, why? And if so, what should it say? Um, what issues should it address? Well, you know, you look at our report and we have, uh, you know, this overall state of kids privacy report, which is coming out this fall. And we have also individual um, industry sector reports. So we have a, a report that was just covered recently in the media for um, streaming apps. We also look at individual categories of educational technology or kids technology where we uh, kind of compare among uh, the popular offerings in that area to see how each of those companies are doing on privacy and security. So that is helpful to people as well. And, and you know, we put out these overall research articles, particularly for privacy practitioners and privacy experts and um, people who are in the legislative and policy world to have some data to look at beyond people saying, you know, privacy pretty important. You know, it's more than just a hot button issue. It's, it's really um, something that affects people on a daily basis. It affects our relationship with our kids. It affects our relationship as teachers with our students. And it's something that uh, we need to pay attention to when we're buying products and our privacy evaluations and the reports based on the privacy evaluations really intend to transform the industry. We like to make little incremental changes as much as we can, but overall, over the years of work that we've been doing, we're really hoping for industry transformation, at least towards greater transparency. So we know a little bit more about what companies are doing and at most to, you know, kind of a revolutionary way of thinking about privacy, um, you know, privacy by design, privacy at the onset of uh, dealing with students and, and children in at any point that they're using the products that privacy and security of kids are, are considered at the forefront. Well, Jill, I definitely look forward to uh, hopefully talking with you again when this uh, report comes out on the, the state of kids' privacy. seems like that will be a prime document to talk about the future. So thank you for your time today, and uh, I'm hoping we'll talk very soon. Thank you. It's been great.